Welcome to Sensemaking. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm an integrated life and business coach, the creator of The Sovereign, and a seasoned wellness practitioner. I believe in investigating the truth. I mean the whole truth. And I bring on sensemakers of all kinds who are brave enough to poke holes in commonly accepted narratives. The world is wild, my friends. And with censorship, cancel culture, and pretend uniformity of opinion, we need more sensemakers who are willing to be who they authentically are, bringing their real-life stories and evidence to the table. Sensemaking will challenge how you feel about a variety of topics from health, politics, spirituality, culture, and more. I want to free you from thinking that you have to go along with the narratives. But mostly, I hope you find yourself in the stories we share here, sparking the idea that, hey, I'm not so alone in my thinking, after all. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today I am interviewing my friend Elisa, and I think you guys are really going to dig this conversation. It's super positive, super helpful. Um, I almost said rags to riches. It's not a rags to riches story. It's more of a rock bottom to Olympic badass kind of story. (laughs) So uh, I think you're going to really, really enjoy this one. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about free speech and, of course, what's happening with Bill C-11. You're going to hear a lot of this lately. I I think it's really, really important. Um, And you know what? Even as I record this podcast, today I found out that the World Health Organization has officially passed their pandemic treaty, meaning we have global governance and global governance paired with anti-free speech laws puts us in a really precarious place. So expect to hear a lot of podcasting from me in the near future. Expect to hear me talk about free speech a lot um, because I really think it's the most important thing, the most important thing right now. Before we get into the show, uh, this episode is brought to you by The Sovereign CEO. The Sovereign CEO is my private coaching container for awake coaches, healers, and freedom-minded entrepreneurs. Guys, I give you the world inside this container. There are a ton of awake and rad humans inside. I coach in there weekly. Um, We talk about all things self and business mastery. Uh, Every single month, I sit down with the entire group and we do about three hours worth of content creation, helping the members get everything that they need for the entire month in 30 days. So we talk about money. We talk about unapologetically creating a business around what you actually want, what you actually believe in. I help people master their mindset. I help them create banger content. I help them love their jobs again and, you know, create something that they're excited about in this really kooky world, something that they could put their attention on. That's not the news. That's not the world. So this community is where you need to be if you are ready to get your focus off of the news and onto your new way forward. Better health, better mindset, more money in your pocket, practical, spiritual, um, thriving right now. 
Um, So you can find the link uh, to that just in the show notes here. And our second sponsor is The Wellness Company. Uh, I'm an incredibly proud member of The Wellness Company. Uh, They have a next level crew of doctors and pharmacists that um, you will probably recognize the names of, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Reich, Dr. Paul Alexander, and so many more. And the wellness company has amazing products that can help keep you healthy, but that's only a little slice of what they do. They literally have a, a plan to transform healthcare. They unequivocally and unapologetically stand up for medical freedom and the right to affordable healthcare. They have um, an incredible system already set up in the United States, and they are working on getting the exact same tools here for us in Canada. I take a few products, but my favorite hands down is spike support because vaccinated or not spike protein is something that has made its way into your body, causing a variety of potential long-term issues. Spike Support Formula is the only product that contains natto kinase and dandelion root ingredients researched for their effectiveness against spike protein. So taking spike protein daily helps give your body the natural immune support it needs to protect yourself and your family from viruses, injections, shedding, and more. See the show notes if you guys want to get some for yourself. Highly recommend. Um, And with that... Let's get into my conversation with Elisa. Sit down, enjoy the show, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Um, Today, I have with me my friend, Elisa. Elisa, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you. I'm excited to chat with you today. So we've already talked for about 45 minutes before we hit record because we're podcast buddies. So uh, yeah, we decided we better get into it. Um. You guys are in for a treat. Elisa is the real deal. She's a, a wellness mentor, a coach, uh, a podcast host of the show Elisa Unfiltered, and no big deal, but just a former World Cup athlete, a gold medalist, a two-time national champion, um, just just a few credentials. Elisa, <laughs> <laughs> anything else that you'd like to add to that to that intro? Uh, awake human being? I don't know. <sighs> I like all of that. That sounds pretty good. Sometimes we were saying this before. It's just when, when, when people talk about your accolades, it, it is kind of cool. Like thinking back to all the impressive things that I have done and I'm really proud of my journey and I'm also a human. If there's a humanness to it, that's kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, like this is, this is life and this is how, um, you know, it's been a lot of hard work and a lot of learning and again, I'm proud, but I'm also human. So it's like, it's, it's, it's cool. I love it. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. We are all just human. Um, so we, we met on Instagram, like most people these days do. <laughs> yeah. I had you on my podcast. I was yeah. like, I need this woman in my life. <laughs> oh man. Uh, we talked about, uh, communism and Marxism and I just brought all not, I don't, I don't even want to say tinfoily, but uh, yeah, we talked about all the all the political things going on and the political shifts. Yeah, you were my um, like breaking the ice. You were my like uh, first guest that I was really open and honest about after my 
awakening to the world, to what was going on with the world. And I kept silent for so long. I was like really self-censoring because I was freaking scared. And I was like, you know what? We're just going to have a freaking conversation because we need to have more conversations. And you're the first guest that I brought on. And it actually was one of the most popular episodes of 20 of this because we I think it was in the spring of 2023. So up until that point, it was like lots of people. And I was like, oh, my God, more, more and more people are waking up and wanting to hear this type of conversation and just two people talking about what they've learned, their opinions. And we were really like clear when we were talking about our opinions versus like studies or what other people are saying and what other people are quoting. And I don't know. It was a super successful show. I didn't know that I knew that, that I was like the, the awake intro to bring in the people, but that's so great, yeah, man. It's, it's just an experiment, right? Who's, who's going to stay, who's going to cancel me, who's going to stay. <laughs> and what a reassuring feeling to, to see that most people are here for it. That's really yeah, good. Well, you, you had gone through being canceled. So you spoke about that too. And I had gone through, I was coming out of the cocoon, the cancel cocoon around when I spoke to you um, and starting to step into my power in like a new form and so I, I, you led me in a really beautiful way, by the way, I probably haven't given you enough credit for that, <laughs> but you were one of the first people that I resonated with mm. I, it, that you, you sounded like a normal person talking about normal things. That wasn't like this extreme, like sometimes people get extreme with things and you just kept it at like a super reasonable, like level headed co- conversation. And I was like, man, it's a bless. <laughs> um, tell me, tell me about the cancellation. So you were, you were working as a coach. You had mm-hmm. this huge podcast. You're, you're one of Canada's top 1% of podcasts. Um, what did you do that got you canceled? Well, long story short, my bread and butter in terms of business, I'm an entrepreneur. I have two businesses. The first is, uh, well, three businesses, technically, if you consider gold and silver. Um, the first is my social media business. I am the founder and CEO of Hello Peach Social, which is um, a social media management company that works with small businesses here in Ottawa. So we started seven years ago and really helped businesses transition from brick and mortar to online when social media was really kicking off. And through that word of mouth alone. I don't have a website. I have zero online presence. I have zero Instagram social media presence. My business exploded into a six-figure business through word of mouth. And I worked... So I started helping brick and mortar businesses have an online presence. From then, it transitioned into more of a management company. So I'm a content creator. I build content. I manage Instagram accounts for businesses. And, um, it was around the convoy that I liked a post from one of the businesses that I managed unthinking about it. This was something that came up on our explore feed. And if you think about 2021, Instagram algorithm started to change. So it was actually showing you content that it thinks you need to see from people who are non-followers. Remember the homepage was only people you followed. 
Mm-hmm. They were experimenting with like showing you other things. And I was just scrolling and engaging as I often do. Um, and I liked a post from the Freedom Convoy for People of Color. They were promoting a clean water initiative, a fundraiser. The convoy hadn't even arrived in Ottawa yet. Um, but it had already been labeled as a white supremacist movement and unvaccinated people were basically the devil. And living in Ottawa myself, I felt a, I, I, I felt a very deep, dark cloud looming over on the one side, the convoy was like the symbol of hope for me. I'm unvaccinated and I was, you know, not allowed in restaurants. I was not allowed to leave the country. I had like basically all but lost my job because in COVID, when they did all the lockdowns, I lost 100% of my business. All of the small businesses that I ran shut down. And at this time in 2021, they were just starting to sort of open and rehire people. So I had, I was making like no money. Um, I was super struggle fest and I accidentally liked this freedom convoy for people of color for clean water initiatives for indigenous folk and someone that was an anti um, everything, everything (laughs) saw that this business, and I'm not going to name the business, this business liked that post screenshotted it and started this hate campaign. They knew that I was the social media manager for that company. They called me out by name and it followed the stream of, of, um, hundreds of people online calling me out for being a white supremacist, a Nazi, a bigot, um, an anti-vaxxer, a Trump supporter, all of these things, because I liked one post, which I found super interesting because the people that started this campaign were white women, yogis who are supposed to be spiritual and inclusive, were the were in fact being so racist and uh, the definition of racism they were basically mirroring themselves onto me um and it resulted in a in a colossal um wave of like fear and terror in my life like i don't know how celebrities do it because Honestly, like the in the energy that came from that hit, I liked one post, one post, okay, from a business that I manage. And yes, I was in the wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have been. I understand the error of my way. The consequence of that, however, was like so extreme and so meant like mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically challenging. I had people texting me, emailing me their hate, telling me that um, the the hardest part was the whole Nazi situation. Yeah, and the the convoy arrived, and the Nazi flag came out, and they took photos. This was like in February. I don't know what was it like the first week of February where that Nazi flag came out, mm-hmm. and uh, whether was it was real or not, it was either a plant. Or it yeah. was someone calling the government fascist. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Mm. I think it was um, a plant that like they had a $30,000 call out. If anyone knew who that person was, 
they would get get $30,000. And that person never resurfaced. There was one photo, one. No one else had a single like video. That's the interesting thing about that whole situation. But here's the thing. Being called a Nazi, just on a personal level, where um, people don't understand that I'm a first-generation Canadian, so I was born here, but my parents were not, both of them, and they're, and my grandparents were not. They were all born in Poland. Mm-hmm. My grandmother, who was alive during the... She just recently passed away. She spent the first... Well, she spent ages five to nine in a Nazi-occupied concentration camp in Siberia. The generational trauma from the actual Nazis is direct line through me. My dad has severe trauma. My mom has severe trauma. My grandparents were like shells of humans. They came over to Canada to have a better life and they worked really hard and they raised their kids as best as possible. And they were indoctrinated by Nazis. They were kids in their formative years. They were fighting Nazis. And so for people to assume that I am one was like not only disrespectful, but also like it it just shuddered in this disgusting way inside of me because it and it and woke me up to the idea that people know nothing. They literally have no idea what they're saying, what they're accusing people of, and who they're talking to. It's like it's it's beyond it was it was beyond the beyond. So anyways, that's what happened with my cancel. And, and so my business suffered at the same time, like when COVID hit and I had, uh, um, lost all my clients in social media, I pivoted into coaching. Coaching is my, um, passion. I did coach in high performance sport for 13 years prior to launching my social media business. I just really love social media. Like I'm one of those weirdos. Um, but yeah, the I'm like I, I I love I love social media. I, I love all of the things about it, and it's so funny. But I so my coaching clients luckily are re- very much international, and mm-hmm. I speak very clearly with what I stand for and what I stand against outside of the whole COVID narrative. I did start get canceled a little bit because I was anti-lockdown, and I really saw the psychological effects right away. I predicted a lot of things that were going to happen with kids with adults that are borderline uh, depression and anxiety and, you know, all the ADHDs, the OCDs, the the things that people don't realize are 100% stemmed from childhood trauma and isolation and abandonment. And all of these things really went up into, um, they got amplified in the lockdowns. So I was talking about that. And people within my coaching community did pipe up So I did, it was interesting because I had on the one side, my community, my people in Ottawa, all of my friends, I have friends of 30 years who I no longer speak to. I had family that called me Trump supporters and anti-vaxxers. And I'm like, yo, I just didn't get one vaccine. That's it. Like you don't, people don't know. They take one piece of information Mm -hmm. and they draw a straight line to the conclusion and then they stay there. 
and they don't move. And so that's what happened. So it was basically following the cancellation of that with all of the hate, the, like, I couldn't even tell you how many people tagged me and post people I've never seen before in my life, making a video talking about me and who they think I am. And then tagging me saying, go follow, go report this woman. She's a Nazi. Like, yeah. And and we're talking about a a little heart. Like, yeah. It's not even a comment. You didn't even go and like, and and you had full right to make a comment or do a video. We're talking about a little heart. The press who has accidentally even pressed that little heart. I know exactly. Right. Like what is the value of a like? Well, to certain people who are really angry, traumatized, ideologically captured, it means whatever the fuck they want it to mean. And they will take any opportunity to spread hate and lies and, and, and make other people feel inferior, like the level to which they try to make me inferior, really, honestly, like when you zoom out on that is a clear indication of how inferior they feel themselves. They need that superiority. They need to feel powerful because they don't have it inside of them. And therefore to get it, to access that illusion of power, they must make someone else inferior. They must create an enemy. And that enemy happened to be me. I know it's really interesting. You said it was uh, like the yoga community that was doing mm-hmm. it to you. So I used yeah. to have a yoga studio and mm-hmm. um, it, what was really clear to me the last few years was who was actually practicing what they preach, mm. um, not just in terms of these like great spiritual principles, like great spiritual principles all kind of teach the same thing. We are all equal. Uh, we are no less than or more than any other human being. We're all equal under the eyes of God. We need to treat each other like ourselves. But consciousness, awareness, um, very few people are actually conscious, whether they're yogis or Christians. Um, there are lots of sleepy religious people, lots of sleepy yogic people. Ones I, I found the people that were actually practicing what they preach, who were really aware before they even heard any facts or saw any documentary on the internet, deep down at a cellular level could feel it in their bones. Something's not right here. Mm. Uh, You just knew. And then all the evidence came pouring through. You're like, oh, that's why I feel like this. That's clear as day. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine in that yoga community for you, how that must've felt like, do you still have, are you in contact with some of those people still? Like, are you, are you totally out of it or how did that look for you? I mean, my first awakening was when the black lives matter rally started happening. And I was in all these uh, like high level yoga trainings. I had some amazing yoga teachers and all of a sudden all our yoga trainings turned into anti-racism trainings And at first I was just like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. Like, this is a thing now. Um, It feels weird, but I don't have problems with like shadow work. I was really used to doing like really deep work with people, trauma work, Um, just doing shadow work, all of these things. So I'm like, all right, this is just a thing we do. So I read all these books. I went to the trainings, but still that feeling deep down, something kept telling me this this isn't right. So just like my my body told me this isn't right. And then of course, anti-racism trainings would tell you, well, that's your um, that's your white privilege. 
um, doing that to you. So I'm like, okay, like <laughs> kept sticking with it. And then, then my logical mind piped in, uh, things are getting worse, much, much worse. Nobody's better off for these trainings. The world is more divisive. The world is more racist. The world is more hateful. Um, of course, when the like movement started burning things down, and then you saw that a lot of the people running these movements were actual Marxists, um, then it was a combination of a deep cellular awareness and then uh, logic and reason. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Uh, very few of those people um, are in my world anymore. Um, there was a lot, there, there were, some of my teachers were awake and they really struggled because their whole community was so woke. And you could tell on a cellular level, they knew, they knew that they shouldn't participate in this. They knew that they shouldn't even get the vaccine. They, they knew all these things, but their, their whole community backed by giant corporate um, companies like Lululemon and all these, like they're putting so much pressure on them that this is the thing to do. And they were nice about it. Like you didn't do what you want, but like they knew that their career would be over. Everything would be canceled. And it, it started getting in their heads. Is, is this the right thing? I I'm not sure anymore if this actually is my self-awareness because everybody else disagrees. Um, and that, that was really sad to watch because I, I watched a couple of them be taken down by their own communities. As you were. Yeah. As you were as well. <laughs> That's the thing too. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's a lot of people right now that are staying silent and they're not talking about stuff and they're not really paying attention to the impacts of eating that, um, digesting that energy of staying silent and what that impacts, how that will impact their mental and physical and spiritual health. And because it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's really scary. And we've seen people, like you say, get taken out. And um, however, even though, and I think you can speak to this too, even though it was horrible, like the energy still, I can feel a little bit. I haven't gotten it out of my body through all of the work that I've been doing to purge that experience. I like, went into like deeper than a cocoon. I, I died. Like I I died Uh, and I had to be reborn after that because it was, was so intense and I would do it the same over again. I know that sounds crazy, but the freedom I feel now, the, 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 people that have come into my life, the opportunities that I see, the way I see the world, how I handle myself, how I step into my power, how I'm authentic, how I show up every day. Like I feel like I feel alive. I do. And, and, and it was a very slow, you know, rebirth. Yeah. Well, people are looking to be safe. Everybody is obsessed with emotional safety. So they think I'm safe if I don't speak my mind. But what happened, just like you pointed out, is is you slowly start dying. And there is no freedom in that. You slowly die. And then that's where you stay. So what you and I went through, uh, we went through that death first. We went through that pain first. Um, But on the other side is 
freedom. It's it's the only way. You have to go through it either way, but the positive outcome is only um, through actually standing up for, for what matters. Um, and that's what people don't really understand. It's not actually safe to just keep your mouth shut. And yeah. after going through what you went through, um, like there's, there's nothing that could possibly scare you now. Being called a Nazi and a white supremacist, um, I don't know about you, but like, does, would any name ever trigger you ever again? Like after being called that, like there's, there's nowhere lower you could possibly go. I have experienced the same thing. Like words don't even have meaning anymore. No Mm -hmm. effect. It is an interesting thing. I, I, yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's a really interesting thing how, and now I, I almost like I hold compassion for the name callers. I know that they're so wounded. They have, I do have compassion. I see a wounded child. I see a child who Mm -hmm. is lashing out at their parents because they're not getting what they want. They don't know how to handle their emotions. They don't have coping skills. And these are grown people behaving like children. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pattern I see often here in Ottawa. Um, You walk into any, any restaurant you don't hear conversations of um, strategy. Like w- before, when we started, we were like, what are you doing next? That's so great. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Let, like, what are you doing next? What's this? Like, oh, what do you think of this idea? Like, you're not hearing conversations like that anymore. You're hearing, I hate my life. I'm so fucking tired. My husband is this. No one loves me. I can't believe they think that way. What the fuck is happening in the world? L- like, it's it, this list of bullshit. And that's, that's so- what we- yeah, that's what people are putting out into the world. And they expect that their lives are going to be enriched and high vibrational when every word that comes out of their mouth is some form of shit. My friend literally texted me yesterday with frustration to say all her friends are so depressed. What yeah. is going on? They're so upset. She's like, is this a side effect of doing the work that people are just obsessed with themselves and, and I said, maybe I'm like, go live in the country. Like we mm. live on an Island, super rural between my chores, <laughs> between yeah. my rural chores and focusing hardcore on my business. There's not a lot of time for me to be stuck in my thoughts or my feelings. Like I, I definitely do my practices and, and I am aware and it's, I'm not avoiding my feelings, but if something comes up for me, I'm like, all right, Carla, you got a day. You got a you got a day to be here. Do we need to do? Be sad. Process this now. On with it. <laughs> well, here's one thing that I would observe, and knowing you, like in the little amounts that I I I've been following you, I've met you in person once at MYM, which was amazing, and we have our chats. Knowing you, I would say that you do one thing that most people don't, and that is, you 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 question yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't. You're, you, you don't stay in one spot in your mind when you're looping in your thoughts, your thoughts, your negative thoughts, you probably can bring into your consciousness and be like, Oh, why am I doing that? Or why am I thinking that? Or who, where did this come from? Or I don't need that. Or I don't have time for that. So what can I do? instead? like, you are constantly shifting away. Yes, those thoughts come in and that's a normal thing. We have monkey brains. We literally are going to think negative thoughts often Mm -hmm. and you question yourself and then make a choice. 
That's what questioning does. It gives you the space to choose. Sure, some days you might sit and wallow in in hard feelings. There's nothing wrong with that. The yeah. the only thing that the only time that becomes problematic is when you do it all the time. And then instead of questioning and choosing different, you loop in in stagnation in eating shit food that's poisoning you in surrounding yourselves with others who bitch and complain and gossip nonstop. You know what the biggest sign I think like anyone listening to this, if you're sitting at the dinner table and you're listening to your friends and you don't want to be there anymore, that is a very special moment in time. (laughs) Because when you start to actually do the work of mentally and emotion, like of showing up for yourself and changing the way that you think and deprogramming the way that the world's constantly programming your mind, you're going to have a moment where you're sitting around and all of your friends are going to be talking about whatever it is. It could be their diets that they're obsessed with. It could be their, you know, work that they hate, political ideologies, how the, whatever it is. And you're going to sit there and be like, I don't want to be here. Who are these people? Mm. This is like, I don't like, cause your, your vibe is going to lift above that. You will rise above the, the low lying fruit of which I call gossip. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. And most people will experience that more than once before they decide, you know, maybe I don't want to be around these people. Maybe I am shifting. And then you have the choice. Then you can lower your vibe to go down, which is perfectly acceptable. And most people will choose that, to be honest, at least once or twice. Or you can explore something else and start surrounding yourself with people who aren't thinking in those low vibrational thoughts and are asking questions and are cultivating love and an abundance of love and money and friendship and good conversation. And then you're going to be like, oh my God, you'll, fr- you'll, because everyone has this fear that they're going to lose their friends or their relationships. And it's like, well, if those relationships aren't serving you anymore, do you really want to stay as the low lying fruit? of this glorious life, the one life you have? Well, and who I want to be with, uh, I definitely want to be with the people that are aware of what's going on. It's really, mm-hmm. it's really a slog. Well, I will say that with one exception. I, I like the people that are so fully in the matrix. Yeah. They, I call them like the Kardashians. Like they're fine. They, they never complain. They have no idea anything is going on. Um, yeah. I actually don't mind having like a nice dinner with those people every now and then. Cause yeah, there's no complaints. They're having a good time. Yeah. I don't feel like I have to talk about anything dark that's coming along, but the, the people that I mostly surround myself with are people like you and Sarah and like, you know, everyone that was at that conference that we were just at, they're yeah. awake, but most of our attention is on how we're going to create our new way forward and the things that we're excited about and the things that we're loving And there's still lots of space to be like, holy shit, I am worried about this. Or have you seen this new conspiracy? Or can we talk about this? Yes. Um, There's still freedom to go there, but the energy isn't toxic, I think is the difference. You know, like you can talk about things, but the energy, um, no one thinks it's going to stop them. I think that's the difference. And this is what you're really, really good at. Like you are a master of waking up 
and not just like waking up to like 2020, like actually waking up, waking up to yourself, your thinking, how to become more aware. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. It is, I, I will say too, like to the people that you're hanging out with, it's interesting when you start to pay attention to what you are paying attention to. That's what I call mindfulness. I am an intuitive awareness specialist, if you will. I learned a skill over 10 years from my coach called intuitive awareness, which is paying attention to your thoughts from a place of not, it's being the non-judgmental observer. So you're observing the program of your mind. And just in short, when you're born, you don't have a single thought of uh, like English, for example. If you speak English, you don't understand. You have feelings, you have needs, you have um, you have feelings and needs, basically, when you're a kid. And you'll communicate to the best of your ability, which is usually cry, laugh, poop. I don't know. What do kids do? Like they They're very predictable. There's, there's only a few things that they can tell you, which can be frustrating, but then you teach them, you teach them how to talk to you. And how do you do that? You do that through repetition. You're going to say mama and dada and all that shit a thousand times before they learn it. Mm -hmm. And while you're doing that, they're observing the way you walk around the room, how you engage with your husband, with your other kids, with their people in your life. They're watching you do that and they're being programmed. And then your neighbor is going to do something and they're watching and they're listening and they're learning. They're going to school. They're absorbing information. Kids are like the brain of a child is firing at a pace that no one can comprehend. That's why you can teach your kid 17 languages when they're four, but when you're 24 or 34, it's difficult. It's a lot more difficult. So you're learning all of these things. You're learning the way of the world and there you're being domesticated. And people don't like that word because they, they associate that word with like an animal, right? Like you're domesticating a dog. Well, you're domesticating your kids. You're teaching them your ways. And over time, what happens is the voice in their head is like, my mom, oh, my mom told me not to do that. Oh, my mom, you know, like I use the example often of like eating, eat all your food off the plate or else there's starving kids in Africa. You know, like they shame, like our, our parents, however they were taught, they're going to teach you and you're going to teach your kids, whether you're aware of it or not, something and they're going to hear your voice. So when you go to the neighbor and they serve meatloaf, you're going to hear your mom's voice saying, ah, oh, it will be disrespectful for me not to eat this, even though I don't want to. So you start suppressing your actual self because you're going to get in trouble. And the goal of domestication in all areas of the world is, is good boy, bad boy, good reward punishment. That's what domestication is. So you learn how to behave based on a series of reward punishments long story, a little bit longer, just I'm almost at the point is, is, is when you get older, that thought becomes your thought. You self-domesticate. It makes a full circle around. So you start thinking and you believe every single person believes the thoughts in their head belong to them, but they do not. They belong to the people who taught you. So if you are in a way and you're thinking in a shitty way, you learned that, you made an agreement and an attachment to those words and you loop through it. Our monkey brains loop. So waking up is to become aware that the program running in your mind is not yours. And then give yourself through a series of like skills of practice, give yourself space 
to either rewrite the program, change it, continue doing it if it's serving you, you know, pay attention without judgment. It's not your fault. And now what are you going to do with it? Why did this become important to you? Important to study this, this process? Because like you said, you, you worked with a coach to learn this kind of material. What, let's rewind. What, what sparked the desire to start obsessively studying this? It's actually, it goes back to my ski career. So like, I grew up in performance sport. I was competitive out of the womb. Um, I basically got into sport full head, full steam ahead, and I got really good really fast. So the way I learned, I, I got into coaching afterwards. So as soon as I retired in 2006, I was asked by the Ontario Provincial Freestyle Ski Team, the mogul team, to be the head coach. I had zero training. They were like, we're going to pay for all your training. We just want you to be our coach. So I said, great. And I went right from being athlete to coach. And guess what? I taught those kids the way. This is how you become national champion. This is how you make World Cup team. And it was the way I learned it. Okay. And of course, there was 10 kids on the team. Nine out of the 10 kids sucked. It wasn't the way for them. Okay. <laughs> so here I am, this hot shot, big headed, like egotistical, you suck. It's your fault for not doing what I say. That's what I thought at the time. Um, and getting angry at them for, for not doing it the way I was telling them to do it in all areas. I mean, mogul skiing is very technical, but there's also a lot of other things that are involved in being an amazing athlete that it's outside of technique. And then I got a gift from the Ontario sports center, which was, they had this lottery. It's called quest for gold. I think they still do it. And all the lottery, um, Proceeds, long story short, get funneled into provincial level athletes. So we got this gift of, a, of a, a doctor, a sports psychologist to come work with the team. But the team, he did, they didn't work with the team. They worked with me. So I was like, I don't need a psychologist. I'm the best coach ever. Look at me. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, okay. So he taught me more than like he blew up my mind. This was my second awakening of the world. My first one was like five years before that, but this, no, or no, no, excuse me. This was my first real like taste of breaking my own loops, breaking my own patterns and behaviors and ways of thinking was through him. And he did it by teaching me how to teach the athletes, how to embody and empower themselves in sport. Okay. And I'll tell you how he did that. He taught the skill of feel. So I went from a sort of like dictatorship, sort of like do what I say into this um, almost spiritual person through this work. I'll give you an example. If someone was going off a jump, so we do flips and and, and tricks we spin, we mogul skiing is complex and vast, and there's a lot of repetition, a lot of muscle memory involved in it, 
a lot of safety progressions. You don't go from, you know, skiing on the flats, like a groomed run to ripping moguls at 52 kilometers an hour overnight. Like it takes a long time. And I would ask them to, um, you know, straighten their arms in a specific position. And they thought that they were straightening their arms in that position when they were not. So I would videotape them. And literally my coaching style was yes or no. You tell me, were your arms straight or not? They would come up to me. They would say, yes. I would show them the video. It wasn't straight. And they'd be like, damn it. And they would go off and do it again and again and again. Yes or no, arms straight. And eventually when their arms were straight, that was the moment of glory because that was the feeling of having a straight arm. So they learned painfully, it was painful for me too, how to feel their body in the correct position as opposed to being told what to do all the time, always told, and they have to sort of figure it out. I taught them what it feels like. So over time, it was really interesting. I started this um, this um, coaching product. I was recruited to Alberta team from Ontario. I started coaching Alberta. It was a fresh start. I only taught this technique to them and they went from the worst team in the country to the best in two years. And by by the third season, we had athletes coming interprovincially to come onto our team and they were spending $7,000 more for team fees to be coached by me because I was pumping kids onto the national team. I was empowering them. And so you'll see like kids would come down, they would do their skills and all the coaches would be at the bottom of the mogul course, like yapping, talking, showing them video, like trying to talk to them. And I would be like, yes or no, no. So not only did my kids get more time on the field because they weren't stopped. Yes. Sometimes I had to explain things to them, but the the vast majority of the training season was really me empowering the athletes. It did so much for their, sorry, my laptop just got unplugged. It did so much for them um, psychologically because they knew when they were doing it right or not. And it's so interesting. Like how amazing would that feel for you in your business or your life to know you're doing it right, to have that sense of empowerment that you are on the right track and you know it, as opposed to having someone always have to tell you who you are or what you're doing, if it's good or bad, being judged by other people, they would know. And so doing that and watching these kids develop, like it was such a special time for me. I'll not like, it was arguably the best time of my life. These kids, they, they were 14, 15 when they joined the team, they were, you know, 16, 17, 18, when they left, uh, moved on either into careers or onto the national team. And watching them excel, like I did coach athletes that went to the Olympics and it was just, it's so cool to watch their progression and where they are today. I mean, some of the, it's been a while now. Most of the kids I coach aren't in sport anymore um, because I did retire seven years ago. So the kids are all like in their late twenties now, early thirties, but you know, they're doctors, they're engineers, they're lawyers, they're entrepreneurs, like successful people so successful because they were empowered at a young age to know and, and, and do it for themselves. And so in that period of time, I was starting to understand my own behaviors and studying and embodying my own practices and figuring it out. And I understood the psychology behind 
feeling yourself and feeling your feelings. And it starts with when you're doing it on your own, you don't have someone showing you a video of like a technical skill. That's kind of like phase one of how I learned this. You, you have to observe yourself. You have to be the video tape observing and you have to do it without judgment because you only learned it one way. So to break that pattern, you can't judge yourself for it. You only learned it one way. So I was observing and then ended up meeting the spiritual gangster who's I've continued to be mentored by her. Her name's Adele Stratton. Um, I've been with her for over 10 years and we talked about this at length and she taught me how to sort of do it at a deeper level. And the empowerment that you can have, like taking responsibility for yourself is not taking responsibility for what's happened to you, for what other people have chosen to do and, uh, or how they've chosen to teach you, show you, because there's a lot of really shitty people out there that are very traumatized, hurt people on their own and their actions. I'm not taking responsibility for their actions. I was able to take responsibility for my response to those actions through through intuitive awareness. So paying attention without judgment. Did that answer your question? That was so long. No, that's a great story. And I'm really here. I, it actually makes me so happy to hear how you ended up teaching the kids because we have this math tutor that we just hired for my daughter. Oh, yeah. math, And he's teaching her things. But one of his things is you have to tell me whenever you've done a test right after you need to text me. And I want you to tell me how you feel you did. I want you to give me a number. I feel like I failed it. I feel like I got 50%. He's like, give me a number. And then later we're going to check that because I want to know what you're actually thinking and feeling around your abilities. And then Mm -hmm. like, let's check that after, but how you're feeling about your abilities has to come first. I'm like, I love this guy that he's so bang on. It's super important. And like, and I don't know where he would take that down the road. Like, it's really important to understand your feelings and like how you feel because, okay, so the difference between something like that, which which is getting a little bit more complicated and feeling your body doing a skill, like like clenching your teeth, making a fist in a certain way, like uh, is that oftentimes our feelings, we don't know what we're feeling. So, so just, I would only be caught. I would only hold caution to something like that because when you're forcing a kid or not forcing, when you're encouraging a kid to talk about their feelings, just be aware that they may not know what the feeling is. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say something and you'll affirm it, but that's not what the feeling is. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they're learning what their feelings are. And most adults don't know what, the, I, I'm saying that because now in today's day and age, most adults can't identify the feeling that they're going to say something like an umbrella, an umbrella feeling or emotion, like happy, sad, angry, overwhelmed. What does overwhelmed actually mean? 
Mm-hmm. What does overwhelm feel like? Burnt out. What does that actually feel like? They're they're saying these big words when really specifically they're feeling frustrated that the garbage wasn't taken out or that they have one more thing on the to-do list. That is the specific thing that's like tip the tipping point. So yeah. Well, maybe this will be the introduction to her starting to pay attention to her feelings for the first yes. time. Lord knows her mother can't talk to her about anything or <laughs> teach her anything. It's true though. She's watching you. You are teaching her a ton. And it is good to talk about your feelings with someone else. It's a really, it's, it's very good, especially like in math. Cause I mean, math is, math is sucks. <laughs> math is complex. It's hard. Like, it's They're making me add letters together. It doesn't make any sense. They're on algebra. <laughs> I like, I can't do that. I'm sorry. So yeah. there was one time though, where it, it wasn't clicking for you. You had consciously like detached from awareness and, and you got into mm-hmm. some, uh, I don't want to say like behaviors, but you have some really powerful like weight loss videos on your mm-hmm. Instagram because there, there was a time there where you, you hit a wall and these techniques were not working for you. Tell me about mm-hmm. that. So before I learned how to do this, I, uh, I basically what happened in 2006, I was ranked second in Canada. I, my whole life was skiing. And I, I think you can understand that having Dan as your husband and just being in sport and sort of seeing it from a different perspective. Um, I, lived, breathed skiing. That was it. It was my whole life. I sacrificed everything. I didn't go to like my grandparents' funerals. I missed all the fun stuff. I missed all the fun high school parties and university parties and all the things that kids normally do. I was dedicated. I was going to the Olympics. I would stand in my classroom when they play the national anthem and envision myself on the top of the podium. And I would cry like in homeroom. I'd be like, so (laughs) I was there. Okay. And I, I, the year of qualifying, I started choking. Okay. So I, what that means is that all the Olympic qualifier events, I was screwing up. <laughs> I was messing up and, um, it came down to one event. I was at this point, the fourth girl, I was ranked second in Canada because I was crushing all the events that weren't Olympic qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was the fourth girl to go to the Olympics. They were taking four women and I was the fourth at the last event. I needed a top 12. So I needed 12 or better. And I skied a banger run. I crossed the finish line with so much fucking relief. Like I just was like, yes. However, freestyle mogul skiing is a judged sport and the judges placed me 13th. So I was I fell into the fifth position and lost my Olympic start. And that moment when I lost the Olympics, this is how I envisioned it. It was like a loss. Like it slipped through my fingers. It was just like gone. And in the weeks that followed that was a tremendous loss of identity. So I I lost who I was. I had no purpose. I had no idea who I was. This was the only thing that mattered. And now it was gone. And of course, like my mom and my family, they were trying to support me. I wanted nothing to do with them. I hated the world. I blamed 
everyone but myself. I pointed so many fingers. I wrote so many angry letters to the Free Sales Ski Association, to my coaches, to everyone that would listen to me bitch and complain about why I got fucked, basically, because I couldn't even take responsibility for my role in it um, at the time. I mean, I, I have since really discovered a lot of things about myself in that moment, but losing, I lost my identity. It was a massive identity crisis. And I see this identity crisis today. There's a lot of people who don't know who they are. They don't feel like they have purpose. They don't. And they're grasping at anyone who's going to listen and validate them and affirm that they're an important person. And they're doing radical things to their minds and to their bodies to be accepted and chosen and feel important and I just, I, I have so much compassion for people like that because that was what happened to me. And in the process of that, in the years to come, I, uh, I started smoking cigarettes. I was eating ramen noodles. I was drinking like six to 10 Smirnoff ice a day, like sugar, alcohol. Like I, I just would chug them. Um, I met this guy who is my ex-husband now, um, he was abusive. He was sexually abusive, emotionally abusive, um, physically abusive. I married him. I thought that he, uh, was what I deserved. Um, and I lived this life. I was the shell of a human. I was going through the motions. I got, I started coaching, um, all, all the while, like when I was in this downward spiral, I was also, trying to be the best coach ever. This was when I coached Ontario team. So I was like telling kids what to do. I was this authoritative dictator telling people who they were when I didn't know who I was myself. And it was like the cyclical thing. It was so funny to look back on because I was a disaster and I had that inferiority complex where I was trying to be superior by posturing and like making myself appear better than I really was. Meanwhile, I gained 85 pounds in a year I screwed up my hormones. My relationship was horrendous. I, I married a man who was a compulsive spender. He took out six or eight, no, six credit cards under my name and maxed them. He committed fraud against me. Um, he, it was, it was horrible. He, I won't get into it, but he, like that whole thing was crazy. And I woke, I woke up one day, this is what happened. I, I was there, I sat at like that rock bottom, I'm going to say for like three years, three, four years. And one day I woke up and I looked at myself in the mirror. And for the first time, I didn't recognize the person looking back. It was this like fat, unhealthy, sad, wounded child. And in that moment, I was like taken aback. I heard a voice that was like, help me. And it was the first time I probably have ever heard my intuition, my soul speaking, because your soul, from what I've learned and gathered today and how I've practiced, your soul doesn't really talk to you in words. It doesn't speak the language of the ego. It it speaks in yeses, in nos, in gut feelings, in like absolutes. You know, like it could be kind of gray if there's a maybe, you know, if there's a neutral feeling, um, but it said this word and I, and I said like, what the fuck are you doing, Lisa? Like, who are you? 
what are you doing? And it was, it was a really interesting moment where I sat there and it was like my life flashed before my eyes and all the choices that I chose because it was me who did all those things came to fruition. And I was like, okay, I did this. I can undo this. And, um, that was like my first spiritual wake up call. I, 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 like I following that I fell asleep again and I kind of looped a little bit and I woke myself up. Like I had these aha moments over the next couple of years. And, um, one day I was like, okay, I'm ready now. Cause I wasn't ready. I heard it, but I wasn't ready. I needed to punish myself a little bit longer And I wasn't ready to grieve and let go of that because I was a failure and that was who I identified with. So I had to sort of kill that version of me as well and move on from it. Um, So it took me a couple of years of, you know, standing up and falling down flat on my face. And then I started working with that coach, started seeing the impacts of the feel-based coaching, started to observe it in myself, met my spiritual coach, started working with her every month. We met twice a month for 10 years and, um, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do, do you think that rock bottom period is necessary before people can change? It's a really good question. Um, yes. And I'm not in a rock bottom position right now and I'm shifting. So like, I did, I needed that to catapult myself out of the really low level vibration. Um, I think most people do need a rock bottom. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Every single person can do it without hitting rock bottom, but the rock bottom is like, and it's interesting because rock bottom changes for people. I was interviewing this woman, her name's Sarah. She's like, um, uh, what's her last name? She's so cool. Um, And her rock bottom was getting a DUI. She got a DUI and she got thrown in jail overnight. (laughs) And she's sitting in the jail cell being like, who the fuck are you? Like, who am I? You know? And I'm like, that'd be pretty much rock bottom for me too. Yep. And, (laughs) you know, she was an alcoholic and had a long, hard road ahead of her and knew that. But that was her rock bottom. And she was sitting in the cell with this woman who was like, yeah, this is my third time here. These fuckers, I don't care. And she and she recognized in that moment, wow, rock bottom is different for everyone. So that person had been there three times and they weren't at rock bottom yet. Yeah. So, so there is a level. So you can hit these different points in your vibration, in your energy, in your frequency, in your actions, because all of these things that you're doing it's my belief that it's a frequency. So your behaviors and your reactions and your thoughts all have a frequency. So what you put out there, you're going to get back. And when you start observing that and you're, what you're putting out there, um, your rock bottom is going to rise. Like you, it's like the whole, you know, the story where like the guy fell in the hole and he stayed there for a year. And then got out of it finally. And then he's walking down the same street. He falls in the hole. But this time he jumps out a little bit faster. Then eventually as he walks down the street, he sees the hole and walks around it. And then the last one is he goes down a different street. So like my goal is to get people to go down a different street as fast as fucking possible. Because that's how you question your life. If you keep repeating, that's also fine. 
most people will repeat the the repetition of things that aren't serving us anymore. And I don't like that word. I need to figure out a new line. Not serving us doesn't Mm -hmm. hit it, but it's, it's uh, when we're doing things unconsciously on repeat thinking because that's what the way our minds work. We we learn things and we become loyal to them. Some sort of either it's a survival skill. So all of your coping mechanisms you learned when you were young and you survived a moment. I like Gabriel Mate talks about this a lot with like ADHD. And I am not an ADHD expert whatsoever. But his example, which is really cool, is ADHD. Most ADHD comes from trauma where kids are constantly nagged. And what is the biggest defense for someone who is nagged and constantly told what to do and always has someone yapping nonstop? The only thing like a six-year-old, a five-year-old can do is tune them out. And so it becomes this tuning out of, of the noise. And so they shut down. And so anytime things get hard, they shut down and move to something else, shut down, move. So then they're like, their attention's all over the place because they've learned this habit of shutting off the hard thing, the thing they, you know what I mean? Instead of grabbing the cookie or the, and I'm not saying I'm not an ADHD expert. I, I don't know much of it. He just offered that in one of the podcasts I was listening to him. And I found it really interesting because it's all of those things that we don't know that we've done, that we've learned when we were a kid coping skills that we've stayed loyal to. And as adults, we're doing those. We're thinking the grind is going to fix it this time, or this is going to fix it. And you keep doing it and it doesn't fix it. And you're like, what's wrong with me? I'm the problem. It's like, no, 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 no. You're not the problem. Just the loop is the problem. You got to do, you got to like open the door a little bit and go for something different, but the door and opening it and the something different is like this foreign, like uncertainty that is so scary that we would rather loop in the certainty of failure or doing whatever we do than going somewhere else. Anyways, there's that. Well, and then that's why the rock bottom is helpful because the rock bottom is the thing that shatters the loops. Like, yes, I, my rock, but I was, I was stuck cycling for like seven years, like stuck in depression. And I worked with a coach and I did all these mindfulness practices and nothing fixed it. It, mm. And I still like continue to grow my business and run my yoga studio and all the things. And I wish I could even tell you, this is the thing that healed me. Uh, I can't, but all I know when 2020 hit and I started to lose more, I started to lose um, what was left of the things I was clinging to. Like my, I just used my business to distract myself from my depression. And then all of a sudden my business was gone and something shook me and all of a sudden I was fine. I lost everything and I was just fine. Mm -hmm. And that's not really a helpful story for other people, but it is though. It is. I like going, when you were having those depression feelings, what, what was your life like? My life was good, but the depression sunk in because we left um, the West Coast and we moved to the East Coast. And that's it. It was situational depression. I did not want to be here. Mm-hmm. And my thought loop was you can only be happy at West. Mm. You can only be happy. And I, and I knew it logically. I knew spiritually that wasn't true, but I could not break the loop. 
no matter what. I should have done ayahuasca at that time. I should have done <laughs> that. Well, that will, that will break the loop for it. Well, it might. It might. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so when COVID hit and you, on all of that, the veil lifted or the fog lifted, was it like literally like snap, like tomorrow you felt better or like the next day? Or do you think it was kind of like this is acceptance of like your home base and you, you've got this. It was a snap moment. I lost everything and I immediately could, it was like the scales lifted off of my eyes and I could finally see that I had so much. Yes. And, and I knew that at an intellectual level before I couldn't feel it though. Mm-hmm. No matter how hard I try, and I, I'd be writing in my gratitude journal, like I, I knew, um, but I did not feel it. I couldn't feel it. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in like divine timing? Yeah, I, I, it, it was just time, and I'm still frustrated with like how long that took. I'm like, really, mm-hmm. I had to suffer that long. <laughs> But it's all added. I mean, during that time period, like me being depressed is me waking up at five and starting a community and running a nonprofit and blah, 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 blah. So inside I was dying. Outside I was doing so much good for myself, for other people, for the community. So I guess as a reframe, it it was never a waste. Like uh, that's when I learned everything. That's when I studied coaching. That's when I became a coach. That's... Um, it was all during that time period, but inside I was suffering. Mm-hmm. Do you ever like wonder if you didn't do all those things, if you would snap, have snapped out of it? And the reason I ask is like, there's so much when people have anxiety and depression, there are so many things you can be doing to shift the frequency of your life. And you were shifting the frequency of your life. You were helping other people to be of service to others. That's what I just heard you say. You were mm-hmm. like giving back to your community. You were putting it out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then one day it all came back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like in some ways there's divine time. I believe in divine timing as well. Like timing is everything. It's kind of like um, meeting meeting my 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 partner, Michael who was like, holy shit, I've never been in a relationship like this before, but I, you know, was married to an abusive man. Then the next partner I chose happened to be married with children in a different province. And I didn't know about it. I was with him for five years. That's a juicy story. We don't need to get into that, but um, (laughs) I, (laughs) I was one of those people that was in so much denial about where I was and who I was. I couldn't, I didn't know. I didn't, yeah, I didn't see that. And then I dated another guy who was severely wounded and treated me like shit. He was constantly abandoning me. And then I decided I will, I had, it was just like timing. I was like, okay, it's not them. It's me. I'm the common denominator in all this shit in my life. I'm the one that's participating in these relationships. Maybe there's something I can do about that. And I ended up deciding I was going to date myself and I didn't have put like a timeline on it, but I spent three glorious years getting to know myself. This is Mm -hmm. when I did a lot of the intuitive awareness work, a lot of introspection, a lot of healing, grieving, um, observing, 
deciding who I want to be kind of like really deep diving deep into my belief systems. And then dun, 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 Michael shows up. I'd met him organically. I met him at a free fitness event thing and fell in love with him immediately. And we've been together ever since, but um, the timing of that, I I wouldn't, it, he would have, he would have been a, a nice guy. He would have been, uh, I would never have dated him had I not been ready to date him, to see him. You know what I mean? I didn't see, I saw him because I saw myself. Mm. You know what I mean? So like the work you were doing in the depression period is arrived to you yeah. in one day. That's like a gift. And divine timing. I wasn't meant to leave. Like that whole time I was just fighting my husband about leaving. Mm. And I was harboring deep resentment for him that a, I had to deal with the pain and he was totally fine. Just got what he wanted mm. and he wasn't doing anything that I needed to be well. Well, I think it was like a month ago cleaning the house. And I find this little journal that my sweet little redneck husband had like, and it was like pages and pages of him, like working this all out on his mind. Like we don't need to live here. Like we'll live anywhere. Like if she's not happy, it, none of it matters. He's like, I'll sell everything that we own. Like it doesn't matter. And, and he was doing all of this work on his own. And ultimately the solution was not to change. Like I knew that like my, my core, like my soul knew that changing my external circumstance was not the cure. Right. And and I'm so grateful that I stuck with it. Um, because now I am in a situation where I could live anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I love the little world that I've created for myself and I love it here now, but also I would be fine anywhere. And, and I knew that's what I actually wanted. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a slog of almost a decade though to get there. Oh, I'm so happy that you arrived. It's such a glorious thing to be on the other side of the fog and, and be able to look back on it and talk about it because a lot of people will be ashamed or hold, hold some sort of negative emotion to the way things were, but it's back there. It's way back there. You don't need to like yeah <laughs> to keep paying attention back there now you're here you have arrived into some oh. a new version of yourself oh man look at all this wisdom you have my friend you have all this wisdom you're working with people one-on-one -on -one. uh you share this wisdom on your podcast mm. think of all the people who are not receiving this because mm -hmm. you checked a little heart on a social media <laughs> 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 I know, right? <laughs> oh my God, it's true. It, divine timing. They, you know, divine timing is interesting because how many people will grow up, grow old, and lay on their deathbeds and figure it out then? Yeah. That's like the most common, the, the three most common things when people are dying is I, I, wish I didn't waste so much time like bitching and complaining. What, what is this? I wish that I spent more time with the people that I loved, mm -hmm. you know, and not working myself to the ground. And I wish I didn't complain so much. And I wish I had, you know, more time. And it's like, 
we are lit, like when you have that wake up call and you start paying attention, that's the gift. It's the gift of time, being able to choose how you want to move through time. And you're doing that at a different, like you're doing that at a different capacity and at a different level and a different frequency. And it shows like, that's why you're pulling in so many fucking dope people into your life. Cause <laughs> you are a, a high viber, you know, mm-hmm. not saying, not giving myself like the, I'm the dope person. <laughs> did you see what <laughs> I did there? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Well, I don't know about you, but um, you should be pumping out those podcasts as much as humanly possible um, because I know you talk about mostly like this kind (laughs) of work and you bring all kinds of amazing guests on, but you also talk about truthful and and relevant things to do with like society and culture and politics and the things that are going on. Um, You're vulnerable right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, (laughs) excuse me. excuse me um it's like my throat chakra just closed because I was about to say something vulnerable isn't that funny with this I like having conversations with people about their journeys and about what they bring to the table and what who they are and focusing on where they're going and I am heavily against the bill C11. Do you want to talk about that for a sec? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because freedom of speech is not what people think it is. The manipulation of words and the redefinition of words that's happening today is like blatantly clear in my mind. I can see it and I understand why people do it. And I, un- I have compassion for the vulnerable and the people who are suffering from some of the hurt that's happening in the world and controlling the narrative is in my opinion, not the play. It is a very dangerous thing because you are the sliver of truth that you are being presented with every single day. Here's a good example. If you're looking at the news, if you watch CNN, which is fine, CNN, whatever, It was on in my house daily. My mom would turn it on in the morning and it would literally be on all day. And um, if you watch CNN and you think the people on Fox are liars, they're not telling you the truth. Most likely, you are extremely captured by left ideological thinking. So your brain believes that the right are liars and vice versa. If you listen to Fox News and that's your news source and you think the people on CNN are lying, you are ideologically captured. The loops in your mind, because we learn things in, here's the interesting thing. Our beliefs and our thoughts are formed in three major ways. The first is through repetition, as as we talked about earlier when you're a kid, repeating. Think about the word, think about the words, Social distancing. How many times did you hear that? How many times did you say that? Yeah. That was a new word. And it was repeated, repeated, repeated. You just will naturally start to believe it, whether it's true or not. Repetition. Number two, through authority figures. So when you're a kid and a police officer tells you not to steal, you're going to be like, okay. Like when your teacher tells you, when your mom tells you no, like those are authority figures. They're the ones telling you what to believe and you're going to learn from them. So when you, when you have authority figures and repetition, 
That's a double up. That's even more powerful to depict what you think and believe. And the third thing is through tradition, the way it always was. So like rituals and traditions through customs. So you grow up in, I don't know, in Poland, you're going to be making pierogies and you're going to be farming most likely. And you're going to be doing the traditional things. If you grow up a Catholic, you're going to do Easter and Christmas and do all the religious ceremonies. You're going to go to a church on Sundays, whatever it is. Like that's the way it is. If you're Catholic, you do this. If you're, you know, the way it always is through tradition. So media is doing the same thing. They're teaching you what to, they're not just teaching you what to, what the news is. They're teaching you what to think about the news. And there's a big distinction there because it used to just be storytelling. Now it's storytelling through emotion and they're emotionally connecting to you. And that's how, and they're, and they're pushing political ideological thinking onto you. So you become the ideas they say. And that's why so many people get fractured. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent here. When someone thinks differently than you, now you feel personally attacked. That's how media is like brainwashing us. That's how they're, it's literally brainwashed. And anyone that listens to it is being brainwashed. They don't know it because it's slow, subtle, and very sophisticated. So you will have a very sophisticated rationale about why Fox News is lying, but you cannot see it happening to you if you're a CNNer. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, um, so to so whoever controls the narrative controls the way you will think and it's fucking exhausting yeah avoiding that it's well, exhausting and that's like step 1 in realizing we're all controlled right but yes. then bill c11 is basically saying um we're just going to not allow Fox News to be on the air. <laughs> It'll exactly. only be CNN. Yes. And if you like CNN, if you are a liberal, then you are applauding this right now and you think it's a good idea because you've already been conditioned to hate people that don't share your ideology. But mm -hmm. people are very, very short-sighted. There are no omnipotent humans who can have that kind of power and use it well. That is very dangerous power. So if you, if right now you wouldn't be comfortable with me saying, actually, we're only keeping Fox News and you can never see CNN ever again. Yeah. If that makes you deeply uncomfortable, then this whole thing should make you uncomfortable. And this is yes. where people are really captured. They have very short term thinking. They're cheering on their team. Well, yay, they have all the power. Arrest everybody that doesn't agree with me. Um, well, what if it flips one day? You don't want these kind of systems in place. It's literally the whole reason why like the constitution was drafted up, why we have a Senate and a parliament is to keep power in check. And what this is, is the eradication of free speech. If we have yeah. the eradication of free speech, we no longer live in a democracy. And there's way too many very, very sleepy Canadians on this. You should have woken up when you couldn't see the news anymore on social media and Justin Trudeau lied and he told you it was Meta's fault and everybody said, oh, okay. No, Meta. Yeah, because they're the ones, can they're conditioning you to to hold the views that capitalism is not the way. They, yeah. they blame it on capitalism, which yeah. I understand that. I really do because capitalism has been exploited in many ways and there are some rotten eggs that are really... Um, 
um, destroying it. <laughs> the it power hung in check. Yeah, it needs to be kept in check. But more people have died under communism and social regimes than have ever under a capitalist one. And that's where people need to pick up a fucking history book. Yeah, it's interesting because people don't even understand that under a socialism, under a communism, you don't make money. You don't own what you, you don't work to own. You work to serve constantly. It's, I saw this funny meme, maybe you posted it, that was like how to teach your kids about so- socialism. Have them go clean all the bathrooms, give them $10, and tell them that they have to give seven of those $10 to the kid that didn't clean the bathroom. There was a, a prof, I just heard the story the other day, he was teaching socialism to his university students. So he said, from now on, we're going to uh, do your grades based on socialism. Mm-hmm. So we're going to like curve them uh, based on like the median. So the kids that always got like really, really high marks, all of a sudden they got their grades back and they got like a C. And then the kids that were flunking everything, they got good marks. They got a C, so they're happy. So they keep going along this pathway. They do their tests the next time. They get their marks back. What happened after a few of those times is the smart kids, well, they stopped trying. They stopped studying. They stopped doing anything. They're like, what's the point? I'm going to get a C. What also happened was the kids that were flunking also stopped trying because they're like, well, I don't need to try. I'm going to get a C which is the perfect example of what happens to socialism uh, in socialist regimes. Slowly but surely, everything turns to shit and nobody tries anymore because it doesn't matter. And it's a nice utopian idea that we are all equal. We are not all mm-hmm. equal. At a soul level, we are. I believe at a soul level, we are equal. And like a human equal. level. Yeah. At yeah, a human and level. Loved and, and respected. Like mm-hmm. uh, you went to the, like, uh, you're a world champion athlete. Um, not everyone can do that. You are better at sports than most human beings. I am better at memes than most human beings. <laughs> there there are people that are funnier than me. There are people that aren't as healthy as me. There are people that are smarter than me. That's how we're born and it will never be any other way. And what we need to actually do is pursue our gifts. What is that? Capitalism, recognizing your gifts and going all in on them. Socialism is where everything dies. And that ultimately is the most tinfoily political point that I could possibly make. This is um, the slow and terrifying creep into socialism, allowing this bill to take hold. And they're coming after podcasts um, because nobody cares about their propaganda news anymore, which is why they're coming after people like uh, you and me. So um, yeah, I, I dedicated to doing more and more episodes as quickly as possible and making sure that I mention this on every single show so that every single one of my listeners starts bugging their local politicians and putting as much pressure as humanly possible because this is, I think this is a really dangerous thing that they're trying to do. It is. And the interesting thing about the human mind and why people don't think it's a problem 
It's like as soon as, and Mark Groves talks about this, about dissonance in the brain super, super clearly. When you have two conflicting beliefs in your mind, it's really uncomfortable. One of those beliefs is going to win. And a good example of that is like an easy one would be like, if you're on a diet, you're not eating sugar, you're committed, you're losing weight, and it's your birthday, and you always eat the chocolate cake on your birthday, and you're like, oh, what do I do? There's going to be some hard emotions around that. There's going to be guilt. There's going to be shame. There's going to be something. And one of those beliefs is going to win. And and for a while afterwards, there's going to be an uncomfortable moment. Oh, I cheated. Or it's like, oh, I didn't have the cake, and I, oh, and I broke tradition, and whatever. You're going to have a story. Well, the same thing happens with this. So people see C11. It was, there was no podcasting in the original bill. Am I correct on that? Was this an amendment or? Um, there were like a few creeping layers to it. I can't okay. specifically mention the podcasting, but I do remember like creeping, um, like repercussions, like one level of the bill started talking about like um, pre-crime like being able to report people like, okay, Elisa hasn't actually said anything uh, bad the last couple months, but she is the type of person who would. Right. So it's rat on your neighbor sort of ratting on people for (laughs) pre-crime. I wonder where they're going to spin that one. Well, that's the thing. So I started talking about C11 on my Instagram and I immediately had tons of people who I know are very left-leaning saying, oh, well, you have to make $10 million. It has to be, it's just $10 million. Okay. So that was the dissonance. So they're like, this is uncomfortable. I need to latch on to a different, like a, like a version of what I'm reading that makes sense to me and, and makes me feel better. So they spew out these things. That's what that is. It's not the truth that they said. It's what they said is not the truth. And why are they okay with that? So you want to punish the Russell Brands and the Joe Rogans who have been factually correct about most. We're going to punish people not only for being successful, but that that shouldn't be okay. And and I agree. But I fully agree. It's it's the platforms which house all of us, whether you have ten followers of your podcast or ten million followers, it applies to everyone. So it's it's Apple, it's Spotify, it's Podbean, it's all the podcast hosts. Right. So yeah, if you have a wicked, if you're following something awesome like Joe Rogan and Spotify, you can't listen to it on Spotify anymore. How are you going to feel about that? How are you going to feel about all the other people who are talking controversially? Like we talk controversially. Like I talk controversially, but I don't. I just have conversations with people. I have conversations with a lot of people who are on the left, on the right, who are doctors, who are healthcare professionals. I don't always agree with what they have to say. But the but the point is that we need to have these hard conversations. I ask them questions. I dig in. I'm not like this, oh yeah, I'm agreeing with everything you say. Thanks for coming on my show kind of host. No, I want to like know more. I'm like, tell me more about that. Like, that's interesting. I, I disagree with that. Like I've actually fought with guests yeah. a little bit. And that's how solutions are made, not by this weak cancel culture bullshit. And and yes, freedom of speech also comes with consequences. That's when you mm-hmm. get, you know, like Kanye West saying some pretty aggressive and scary things online. But of course, he, he has a mental illness. So yes, there are consequences, but there are right. way worse consequences to not having it. 
I know. Like the the thing that scares me the most is like the the tunnel vision that they're putting Canadians in because I understand how the mind works and how we are persuaded and how we are we are led to beliefs. I fully like the whole mass psychosis theory, the group think theory, the containers, the like the whole everyone's heard the quote you are the sum of the five closest people to you. Why? Because you're listening and watching what they're doing nonstop. And you, your brain, regardless if you're aware of it or not, is becoming those things because you learn through repetition. So when you see things, it just becomes normal. It's like when you see, you know that you shouldn't turn left on the red, but the guy in front of you does it. So you're like, well, he did it. I might as well do it. And you become that. You just start doing it. You start breaking rules. You start, well, breaking rules is fine. I think rules are stupid for the most part. I mean, there's some really good rules, but. <laughs> well, the, um, the brainwashing is simple. The brainwashing is, um, there's like four topics. It's it's climate change. It's equity. It's it's trans rights. And as long as um, the government mentions those things, whenever they're creating policy, people just automatically assume it's a good thing. So that's what they're doing Mm -hmm. with this bill. They're saying it's to promote Canadian content for one, which is bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, Up like the dying CBC. Um, But they're saying it's for, uh, it's for equity and inclusion. And no, it's not. There's I was thinking about this. There's a very easy test. Uh, The solution to that would be everybody go get a VPN done. Yeah. What will happen for sure, and this is the test, is they'll start making that illegal. Like I the think state. they have already. I thought that they made VPNs illegal. Not in Canada. The U.S. Okay. was um, threatening it, but that's like the easiest test. And of course, uh, Justin Trudeau will put some sort of spin about VPNs being white supremacy or racist or anti-trans. So they, no one can have a VPN because you might see um, this kind of – like they'll put the spin on that too – but um, it takes very little to brainwash people. Very, very little. And the whole inclusion thing like drives me nuts because how are you being exclusive, inclusive, inclusive? How are you an inclusive person where you include everyone and you don't include certain podcasters? You don't include certain voices. It's okay to exclude. How are you inclusive if it's okay to exclude an entire ideological way of thinking or a religion or a uh, a race? Like if they want to cancel white people right now, white people are like the devil. How is that inclusive? It's it's the most racist, exclusive, yes. ideologically yes. captured, woke totalitarianist policy I've I've ever seen not not just this but the way that people on the left are behaving right now there is nothing inclusive or loving about what nothing nothing they've attached meaning to this superiority complex and are making someone your enemy it's classic it's classic trauma response like you hear people saying we're in an abusive relationship right now we're literally looping in an abusive relationship with our government and the people and we're, and we're staying in it. And why do people stay in abusive relationships? It's, it's funny. Some conversations are, are complicated and, and nuanced, but to me, like in order to be equal, it's like the golden rule. You treat other people as yourself. 
right? Yeah. Um, you treat other people as your equals instead of the hierarchy of privilege. It's you treat everybody well. Everybody gets a seat at the table. Um, we're not putting other people up on pedestals. We're not canceling people. Um, you treat other people with love and respect. That like is the golden mm-hmm. rule. It's very, very simple. And all of these rules, all of these policies are the complete opposite of that. Well, I would, I would just like to add that you saying that is coming from an awake perspective. You say that because you know who you are. Mm-hmm. You are awake to the mind and to your thoughts and your beliefs and your actions and the consequences of your actions and all that stuff. People that are ideological, like extremely ideological cap, ideologically captured, they do treat others the way they treat themselves. That hate that they project is only available because that's the way that they think about themselves. Mm. They don't know who they are. There's chaos in their mind. They're looping in things. They don't feel confident and secure and safe. They're not safe. So they project it. So like that, that's the difference. That's why they're asking for regulations to make them feel safe. Like I am, I don't need the government to protect I don't need to be protected from words on the internet. If, if you are triggered by words on the internet, you are not ready for the internet. (laughs) Right. You have a lot of healing to, there's a lot of healing to be done and you have the choice to do that. It's like when you're trying to defend who you are all the time, that's exhausting. When are you going to be who you are and show up and love who you are? It's that, that's the shift that you see people making in their awakenings. And like, sometimes like Bill C-11 has woken up some people. It has like with the whole, the whole news thing, they're not seeing news. So now they're starting to ask questions. Interesting how that is. Otherwise they're completely mindless. There's like this really interesting thing that happens. And I talk about this a lot on my show and on my Instagram. So if you listen to my show or you watch me on social media, you, you probably heard this, but like, When you're mindless, most people are mindless. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that 95% of the world is mindless. You're automated. You know what you know, and you've shut your brain off, okay? So it's this woman, her name is Dr. Ellen Langer. She's got tenure at like Harvard or some Ivy League school. She's got really interesting points on mind being mindful. And of course, everyone thinks they're mindful. Oh, I'm mindful. I'm totally mindful. I'm mindful all the time. Like that's how people think that I don't have to do mindfulness stuff. I'm, I'm mindful. I know who I am. They don't. And here's an example. So she, she stands up in front of her um, lecture. She starts her, her, her class with the question, what is one plus one? Okay. And the students are like two. And these are academics. They're smart kids. And she's like, are you sure it's two? So you're saying right now that one plus one equals two. And the kids are like, yes, like a three-year-old knows that. That's like the first thing you learn in math. One plus one equals two. And so she says, so you know one plus one equals two. You're willing to bet your life on it. And the kids are like, yes, we know. Can we move on? They get like annoyed. And then she says, okay, what is? what do you get when you take one pile of laundry and one pile of laundry and add them together. What's one cloud plus one cloud? And the kids are like, huh, it's one 
bigger cloud. <laughs> it's one bigger pile of laundry. So it's still one. So then in that moment, you become mindful because now you're like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. And you start to ask questions or you see it different. Okay. Mm. If, if you are going to be, if you go to work and you drive your car, you drive the same route every day, you're mindlessly driving. However, if for some reason you're forced to turn right out of your driveway instead of left and you have to go a different way, you're going to pay attention in a different way. You will be more mindful. That's what mindfulness is, is paying attention to your life. And it's okay to be mindless. You're allowed to be mindless. The brain needs to be mindless in many aspects. However, um, with, with the ideologically captured people, the people that are pointing fingers and creating policy, they're doing it through this mindless repetition because they know they're so insecure and they don't know who they are in such a deep, profound way that's very subconscious. And it could be for a number of reasons. And I don't blame anyone for that. Like, it's it's not easy to be human. It's not easy <laughs> like mm-hmm. to live life and be this... I'm not even saying that I'm like the spiritual gangster. I go through my shit we were talking about before the show. I'm like, I don't feel good. I'm taking a weekend to like downregulate. I have to create boundaries so that I can show up in a certain way. But anyways, I'm going on a tangent now. These people are mindless. They're not thinking about the the thing that they know anymore because they know it. Mm-hmm. Right? So they're not actually opening the door to consider what what they're doing might mean in the future or what they're not being, they're mindless. And most people are. I agree. Well, hopefully this is Canada's wake up call. Um, I'll find a way no matter what, if I have to get one of those like Mexican trucks with the speakers outside and just drive that thing back and forth across Canada, I'll do that. (laughs) Hey, here's the Carla Treadway podcast live from my truck. (laughs) I can see you doing it. I follow you. I get into my, into the, into the, into line. (laughs) If, and if you guys are hearing this and like just wondering what 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 to do, um, you have to talk to your local politicians. Personally, I, I I do still believe that there are some good people back there pulling the strings. Talk to your local politicians. If you've been on the fence about wanting to start your own, don't let this deter you. I would say now is the time to actually go and do the thing. Uh, whether it's speaking out online or if you want to create a YouTube channel or a podcast, do it. Highly recommend. Um, And three, share this around like wildfire, share it to the, to your sleepy friends. (laughs) I shouldn't say that that's derogatory. Share this to the very nice people that um, just trust the media. Like that's the problem. They, they just trust the media. Um, and I, and I get that. I understand that it's been a household habit forever, but, um, we need to wake up as many people as possible. And these, uh, laws are going to take place November 28th. That's a, a month from when we film the show. Uh, PS they're going after Netflix next. So good. In all your shows, right? Oh, now my wife comes out before i think the matt rife special is coming out in november i'm gonna have to watch that before they take it down no only government approved television from now on (laughs) yeah (laughs) and we think that china is crazy and the people of russia gets propaganda we're like in we We are 
We're becoming yeah. Russia. Like it is here. It has landed. It's in Canada. Wake up. It's here. That this is what they did over there. They're that's yeah. the exact same playbook. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. History, books, please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> My friend, thank you for coming on the show today. Um Yeah, buddy. That was fun. Banger episode. Um, you've got some huge projects coming up. Tell tell the people. Mm. Well, I'm doing, um, it's called the undoing. It's a series. We've already had a couple or, or one by the time this out in this airs, you might, you might catch it. It's the next one's November 9th. Um, and it's just a, a series of undoing some of the habits and behaviors that we've learned. We're going to talk about discernment and grounding in this next one and you know, how we're, we're always triggered. Um, and really start to get a grip on what that means for you and what that looks like in your brain. So you can feel it and see it coming before it happens. Like my whole motto is how do you get out of the way of something you don't see coming? And um, then I'm opening the doors for 2024 in the your new era mentorship. It's a six months mentorship and I'm taking applications starting November 1st, which is really exciting. I love that name. Yeah. Name you start your new era, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course, if you're not following her already, uh, go and listen to Elisa's show. It's a Elisa Unfiltered, really, really great podcast. Um, tons of great guests. I'm on there somewhere. Yeah, man. Your <laughs> episode's amazing. So good. <laughs> awesome, my friend. I really appreciate your time here today. And I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes so people can come and find you. Thank you. Amazing. We'll see you next time. Ciao. What a show. <laughs> I love talking to Elisa. Um, we chat quite a bit actually throughout the week and I'm just so grateful to have her in my world. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode too. I hope you enjoyed the mindset shifts, these great awakening tidbits of wisdom that she is dropping. There is so much going on in the world right now and there's no way around it. We have to build ourselves up. We have to strengthen our mindset. There's a lot of people in this community that think, well, I'm awake. And I would love to offer, like what we just went through was just scratching the surface. There are so many levels to awakening. It starts with what the world's doing, but then we have to go internal. What are we doing? What are we doing to make our situation worse or better? If you guys want to find out um, where you can work with Elisa or learn from Elisa or listen to her podcast, check out the show notes. You can find more of her there. And if you'd like to have her back, send me a note. I love hearing from you guys. I really appreciate the notes you send me, the emails, the uh, shares on Instagram. It, it helps me so, so much. And it's really encouraging um, for me to keep doing these episodes. So please reach out to me. I love hearing from you guys. Uh, let me know who you want to have on the show. I would appreciate that. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, I hope to have you um, a new episode here in the next couple days. Um, and also, uh, I will mention this again, we are rebranding. So expect that the podcast is going to look a little different, sound a little different, have some new guests. Uh, we're growing, we're evolving, we're changing, and I hope you'll come along with me for the ride. All right, friends, I'll see you next time.